Let's worship. Our feet are on the rock. Amen. Thank you so much, worship team. Good morning, Kavanaugh Church family. How's everyone doing? Good. It's so good to see everybody. I love that song. Life is going to throw a whole bunch of stuff our way at times, right? It, there's going to be a lot of layers and a lot of difficulties and a lot of chaos and a lot of craziness, but there's one person that we can boldly go to and we can boldly stand on and know and have full confidence that no matter what, we can turn to them and we know that we have hope, and that is Jesus. Amen? Amen. I love it. Thank you so much for being here this morning. You have been prayed for this week. We hope that God does something truly amazing in our services today. The question is, I hope you are ready. 
We hope that you're ready. Uh, but we love you. If you're a first-time guest, thank you so much for joining us today. It's so nice to have you here. We want to get to know you and, and tell you all about our church. So right after service, um, if you will go out to either one of these tables, we have some awesome church family members that will be out there, be able to answer any questions, tell you about our ministries, where you can plug into, that kind of thing, talk to you about small groups, et cetera. So, but we love you, and again, we have a lot of amazing stuff that's about to happen. Um, but I'm going to invite you all to stand up right now. We're going to ask God's anointing on our services today. So, so good to see everybody. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus and for salvation that we have. Thank you so much for providing us a personal relationship with you, God. As the scriptures say, and you say in your word, God, that we can boldly approach the throne of grace in confidence because in those places you will see us, you will recognize, recognize us, you will understand us, you will know us. We're so thankful for that. And Lord, the scriptures also say where two or more are gathered in your name, that you will be there. And we're so thankful that you're here today in our church, amongst our church people, being able to hear uh, your word. And Lord, as, you, as the word is preached today through our pastor, we love him. Thank you for the time and effort and the study that he has put into the word this week. We know that as the word is preached, your spirit is among us, and we ask for it just the flow. Help our focus to be solely on you today. Help us to put all of our distractions and life craziness off to the side, God, and help us to just be able to grow into the people that you want us to be, God. We love you so much. Thank you for bringing us back together. In your name, amen. Why don't you turn around and greet one another, and we'll get right back into it. Here, man. On up here. Good deal. You can be seated just for a second. And uh, man, I'm digging this time, aren't you? Baby Dedication Day. Give it up for babies. We love babies. And up here today, we've got the Miller family. So a lot of y'all remember Johnny and Gail's youngest son, Lucas, but Lucas has been gone from us for years. So if you don't know, this is Lucas Miller, Johnny and Gail's baby boy, and his beautiful wife, Jennifer. Welcome them to Cavanaugh Church today. We're glad that they're here. And, and they've got little James Loyal with them. Jennifer, let me tell you, he's good looking just like you are, all right? And he's got Lucas hands, all right, big old hands, so he can be a baller. Man, that's, that's it, you know? Woo pig suey. So those of y'all who have been here a long time, y'all remember Luke, uh, back over in the other worship center when, when he was a teenager, and I would get to the end of the service. You remember this? I'd have Lucas and Zane come up and stand beside me. Y'all remember that? The receivers from Greenwood, Arkansas. Of course, Lucas went on and played for the uh, University of Arkansas. Uh, I've known Lucas since he was a kid. Johnny, y'all moved here. He was, you're in junior high, I guess it was, when y'all moved here. And uh, I soon found out that Lucas Miller ain't afraid of nothing. I mean, literally, he wasn't. I'd go watch him play basketball and football at Greenwood, and I knew every football game, Lucas was going to, he would end up lying on the field 
almost knocked out. I don't know how many concussions you got, but he was unafraid to go across the middle and catch the passes that everybody else was afraid to catch. I mean, that's just Lucas. Uh, Whitney, remember at our house, we got a swimming pool in the backyard, and my dad put a, 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 a rope in a tree that's in the middle of the backyard and, and a little round thing so the kids could, could swing on it. Lucas is the only person in history who stood on that rope and swung and jumped into the swimming pool. Because Johnny was so far, you didn't know that he could have killed himself. But he's not afraid of anything. You know what Johnny, Lucas is? He's just like his daddy, Johnny, not afraid of nothing. And so, Jennifer, Jennifer, I say all that to say, you've, you've got your hands full. <laughs> you've got, and can I tell you something, church? Parenting is not easy. Is it? It's not easy. Look as you're finding that out. Parenting is as difficult as the defense of Alabama or Georgia. Maybe put together. So, here, what we're doing here today is a great thing. We are coming into God's house, and these parents are saying, Lord, we, I need your help. We need your help in raising loyal to be the Christian man that you want him to be. And you're, you're following in some good steps, Jennifer, because of old godly parents did this very thing. I mean, Hannah, Johnny, you know this, Hannah brought Samuel to the Lord's house, and Gal not only dedicated him to the Lord, but she literally gave him back to the Lord. Mary, the mother of Jesus, did the same thing. When Jesus was of age, she brought him to the temple and dedicated him to the Lord and to his service. So, Lucas and Jen, it is with great confidence. I know God is going to bless you today as you dedicate James Loyal back to the Lord. James, I got Loyal. Let me call you Loyal. I love that name, man. What a cool name for a cool guy. Here's a passage of Scripture I want your mom and dad to hear, okay? It's from Deuteronomy chapter 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And these words which I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. So Luke and Jen, every day, God's going to give you dozens of opportunities to speak God's word of truth into Loyal's little heart. So take advantage of that. And what's the result of that? Well, Proverbs tells us, train up a child in the way they should go, in, in the way of the Lord, and when they are old, they shall not depart from that way. And that's what we want for little Loyal's life today. So Lucas and Jennifer, in presenting loyal for dedication, you not only signify your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, but your desire that loyal come to know Jesus and serve him as the Lord of his life. In order for this to happen, it's going to be your duty as dad and mom to teach him the word of God early in his life, to watch over his education that he not be led astray, to direct his youthful mind to the Holy Scriptures and his little feet to the Lord's house, to restrain him from all harmful associates and habits, and as much as in you lie, to bring him up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you accept this challenge, let it be known by saying, we will. We will. Fantastic, wonderful. And church, I know that, that Luke and Jen live a long ways away from him, but they're still a part of our church family. So do you promise to them that you're going to pray for them and for a little loyal that he come to know Jesus as his Savior? 
to find, follow, and finish God's good, acceptable, and perfect will for his life. If you accept that challenge, let them know it with a big, yes, we will. Yes, we will. Woo pig suey. Got to throw that in there, man. Got to throw that in there. Jen, I got a couple of things for you that I want to share with you before we actually dedicate a little loyal to the Lord. Here is a letter that I've written to loyal. Keep that in a safe place. And when he turns 18 years old, let him open it, okay? In the letter church, I tell loyal what we did today. And if he's not already a Christian, I invite him to accept Jesus as his Savior. Here's a certificate of what's happened today. And Lucas, I'm going to give this to you. It's a a little blue New Testament with James Loyal's name on it. And I'm going to charge you as his daddy to teach him the words of truth from this book, just like your daddy taught you. All right? Bless you, man. God bless you. Loyal, I don't know if you're going to come to me, but would you go with Papa? You you want to let Papa take you? Fantastic. Man, he's, he's a good-looking guy, isn't he? What a great-looking little boy. Amen. And you got, your, you got your sticker on your back, so I bet you're going to go back there to kids' yep. church. Yes. You're going to let him promote up to kids' church uh, today. Yep, we try it out. Amen. Little Loyal, it is with great pleasure and an honor that we dedicate you to the Lord today. And it's my sincere prayer, little man, that you find Jesus as your Savior and that you follow God's will for your life. Grandpappy, you think you can pray a prayer try. for your grandson? <laughs> Would you do that? Our dear Heavenly Father, how thankful we are today, God. We know that uh, you created loyal. He's fearfully and wonderfully made. And God, we're so thankful for what you've given and how our, our family's growing and our church family's growing. Well, we thank you for, for that. And we just ask you now to bless him throughout his life, bless his parents. And God, help us to raise him in the way he needs to be. God, we just give you all the praise forevermore in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a good boy. Let me give you, mm, man, love that guy. Y'all give loyal a big hand, would you? Love you, buddy. Love you, man. Love you, Jim. God bless you. Amen. Y'all stand back up and applaud again. Give him a big hand. And we're going to continue to worship the Lord today. God bless you.
now to Him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to Him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Our God is able to do infinitely more than we can even dream up. God is able to meet whatever need you're facing today. Trust Him.
this place today for your faithfulness. It's new every day, or your mercies are new every day, and your faithfulness is true every single day of our lives. God, we praise you. We praise you in this place. I pray that if there's anybody here today who is carrying a weight that they don't have to carry, Father, I just pray that they will come to you and realize that they can trust you, that you are all-powerful, and that you are able to do more than we could even think of, Father. We trust you and we praise you in this place today. In Jesus' name, amen. thank the praise team. They did a great job. Let them know it with a big rowdy applause. Fantastic. Amen. Amen. It, not long ago, I got a phone call and I don't know if you're this way, but, but nowadays I have to look at my phone before I answer it because there's, there's so many different scam calls coming through and, and I'm so glad that it shows now that it's a scam caller. And so sometimes I don't know, but I, I looked at my phone and, and it, it was a guy that's in my directory that I haven't talked to in years. And I thought, man, what, I wonder what's going on in his life. Why is he calling me? And so I answered it. But you know what? As soon as he said, hey, Will, even if I hadn't had the caller ID to know it was him, I hadn't talked to him in years, but I would recognize his voice because I know the guy and I recognize his voice. I recognize the voice of my grandchildren when they Say, Poe, can I have? <laughs> I know if it's Ella Jane or, or, or Archie. I recognize the voice of my spouse, don't you? <laughs> and exactly how they're coming across. I mean, why? Because we are trained to recognize the voice of people that we know. Are you with me? Today I want to talk to you about how to recognize God's voice the most important voice of all that you need to hear. Now, all around you, there are sounds going on. There are sound waves going through this building right now. You can't see them. You can't hear them unless you're tuned in. But nonetheless, there are sound waves in this room. FM radio waves flowing through this building. AM radio waves. Television radio waves. Here in a minute, we might get a, a, a signal from harvest time that cuts my mic off. I think they do that on purpose over there. I need, need to go talk to Brother Darren about that. There, there may be a cellular phone wave that, well, you would hear that if it went, and you might before this sermon is over with. But there are waves all through this building, and unless you are tuned into them, you can't hear them. The same is true with God. God is trying to speak to you today, right now. He's constantly transmitting to us. But unless we're tuned into Him, we're not going to hear Him. And if you happen to tune into the wrong channel, you may think it's God, but it's not God. So how do you know when an ideal or a thought that gets into your mind 
is from God. How, how do you know if it's God's voice speaking to you? How do you discern God's will for your life? How do you know when an idea is from God or if an idea is just from yourself? Or how do you know if an idea is from Satan? If you confuse these ideas and think it's from God but it's really from you or think it's from you and it's really from the devil, the results can be fatal. Cool verse in Proverbs 14, 12 I want us to read today. In fact, would you read this out loud with me? Come on, will you read it out loud with me? We're talking about audience participation here, right? Great verse, you need this one. Proverbs 14, 12, let's read it. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. So it may seem right to you, you may think it's right, but if it's the wrong voice, let me tell you, it can lead to death. It's very important, therefore, to know when it's God talking to you or it's not just you talking to yourself or it's important to know if the devil is talking to you. And you know what? He does that. The devil puts things in our minds. We call that temptation. He puts things in our mind that are wrong. Today, God gets blamed for all kinds of evil, but it's not really God's fault at all. When people say, well, God told me to do that. Well, maybe he did, maybe he didn't. I heard about a woman down in Texas who, who killed two of her children, and in a court of law, she said, God told me to do it. Well, obviously, God did not tell her to kill her kids. Are you with me? So it's very important that you discern the voice of God. Now, let me show you how easy it is for us to flip-flop in our mind and, and to hear from God and also hear from the devil almost at the same time. There's a good story about that in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 16. Jesus is talking to his disciples, and he asks them the question, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? To which his disciples responded, some say you're this, some say you're that. Some... But then Peter spoke up, and Peter said, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. And Jesus said, give me a high five, Peter. Because <laughs> you got it right. And then he said something very important. He said, flesh and blood did not reveal that to you. That's not from the world. You didn't think that up on your own. God gave you that. God spoke that into your spirit. That ideal that you just said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, that came from God. And then Peter and Jesus had this little dialogue, and, and Jesus you know, gave him the name, the, the Rock there, and said, on this confession that you just made, that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And it was a powerful moment. But then, right after that, Jesus started talking to these same guys about what was going to happen in his immediate future, that he was going to go to Jerusalem, and there he was going to die on the cross for the sin of the world. And Peter pulled him aside and said, Lord, that's nonsense. No, we're not going to let you do it. Quit talking like that. And Jesus looked at Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. In other words, Peter, 
That idea that you just said didn't come from you, and it certainly didn't come from God. It came from the devil. So if you're following what I'm saying and picking up what I'm putting down, it's the same guy, Peter, in the same chapter of the Bible, two instances that happened one after the other. He got one thought from God. He got another thought from the devil. Do you see how easy it can flip-flop in our minds? Two different impressions in just a matter of a few minutes. So how do you know if it's God talking to you? How do you know if this ideal or this impression that you have in your mind came from God or if it came from the devil or if it's just something you thought of? Well, I've got a filter, three ways you can know if it's from God. Are you ready? Now, this is really important. You need to get these three ways down. Number one, I know it's from God if it agrees with the Bible. So does this thought, this impression agree with the Word of God? That is the first way you can test an idea or an impression. Does it agree with the Bible? Because God will never contradict what he's already written in his word. The Bible is God's word revealed to us, given to us over thousands of years. And God will never tell you to violate a principle that he has already written in his word. Because why? God is consistent. And God keeps his word. So he'll never tell you to ignore what he's already said in the Bible. He'll never tell you to deny what he wrote in the Bible. He'll never tell you to contradict what he's already said. And this is so important. Jesus said in Luke chapter 21, verse 33, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. So time is going to end. Heaven and earth are going to pass away, but the words of Jesus will live forever. Why? Because the word of God is the truth. Follow me here. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 19 tells us, truth stands the test of time. Now, this is so important that you get this because there is such a thing as absolute truth. It's the Bible. This is absolute truth. The world says, false religions say, liberalism said, you can't know the truth. And what might be true for you may not be true for me. Well, that's a bunch of garbage. Because God's word is the truth. And the truth will stand the test of time. What does that mean? Well, that means it's true. And if it's true, then it's always been true. And it's always going to be true. So when it was written, maybe 5,000 years ago, it was the truth. But you know what? It was still the truth 1,000 years ago. And it was still the truth 50 years ago. And it's still the truth today. And if we continue on another 1,000 years from now, it's still going to be the truth. Why? Because the truth stands the test of time. And it does not change. Now, fads change. Fads change. It's kind of cool. If you live long enough, you'll see them go in and out like bell bottoms. You know? What, what I'm waiting for is that, that the, the popcorn texture in your ceiling. I'm waiting for that to come back in style because I don't want to scrape all that off my ceiling. 
So I just tell Angie, let's just wait because fads change. Therapies change. Trends change. Popular opinion changes. And no matter what Shelton says, even science changes. But the truth of God never changes. So God would never say something and then change his mind later and say, well, guess what, guys, I've changed my mind. And because culture has changed, it's now okay for you to behave like this. No. Let me give you a couple of illustrations so you can pick up what I'm putting down. If the Bible says, and it does, you shall not lie. Don't cheat people. Be honest in all your dealings. Doesn't it say that? So if the Bible says that, then if you figure out a way how you can lie to somebody or cheat somebody out a little bit more money by cutting a corner unethically, can I tell you something? That idea didn't come from God. Because God's truth never changes. He meant it then, he means it now. Don't lie, don't cheat, be honest. Okay, one, one more and then we'll move on. If God said, and he has in his word, you can only have sex with somebody you're committed in marriage to. Now, again, a few years ago we wouldn't have to spell this out, but what it means is one man, one woman. Man, woman, united in holy matrimony, committed to each other. God says the only way you can enjoy this thing that I've given you called sex is between marriage of one man and one woman. God said that, didn't he? And if God said that, then he's not going to tell you that you can go out and have sex with just anybody you want to because he hadn't changed his mind. Galatians chapter 1 verse 8. But even if we or an angel from heaven preaches to you any other gospel than what we have preached, which is the word of God, let that person be accursed. Guys, let me tell you, that's a pretty powerful passage of scripture. So if anybody on the TV or radio is preaching anything that is contrary or different or added to or subtracted from this book, you don't need to be listening to them. In fact, his language is let them be accursed. You can't distort the word of God. It is, it is truth that stands forever, and, and it must be obeyed as it is. Did you know that, that most of the cults that exist today started because somebody claimed an angel came to them and appeared to them and said, your Bible is not enough. You need another book too, and the angel gave them this other book. God says, no, even if an angel comes and says that to you, that the Bible is not enough, they're wrong because the Bible is enough. The Bible is true. So let me get back to my subject matter here. If the impression that I'm getting in the Bible, if it doesn't match up to the word of God, I need to ignore it. Did you know the vast majority of God's will for your life is right here in the book? God's will for your life is in this book, and all you've got to do is read it. And if you don't know the Bible, you're going to be duped by all kinds of Satan's lies. So the better you know the Word of God, the more God is going to be able to speak to you. We always get into trouble when we doubt 
God's word. So how do I know if God is speaking? How do I know if this impression is from God? Well, does it agree with the Bible? Are you with me? Number two, how do I know? Well, does this impression, this ideal, make me more like Jesus Christ? Does this thought I'm having, if I follow through on it and flesh it out, is it going to make me more like Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the standard which you measure all the ideas and all the impressions that come into your mind. God's goal for your life is to make you like his son, Jesus Christ. That is the number one goal of every believer's life, that we be like Jesus Christ. How do I know that? Philippians 2, 5 tells me. Let's read this one together. I like audience participation to a point, all right? Let's read this one together. Ready? On three. One, two, three. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And that is the goal of all of our lives, to have the mind of Christ, to think like Christ thought, to speak as Christ spoke, to live as Jesus lived. And if that is the goal, God's goal for our lives, and it is, God would obviously not put an impression in our lives that would lead us in a direction that is opposite to the major goal that he has given us, and that is to be like his son, Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5 says, We take every thought captive so that it is obedient to Christ. So every thought that comes into our mind, we hold it captive. We sift it through this filter. Is this thought going to make me more like Jesus? And if the answer is no, we dispense of that thought. We put that thought out of our mind. Because if the thought is not going to make us more like Jesus, we don't want to be thinking that way. Amen? So does this impression help us become obedient to Christ? You know, the answer to that old, that old saying that we used to have, we used to wear little bracelets and said, what would Jesus do? I think that's still a pretty good application for today. In any given situation, what would Jesus do? Because that's the way we want to be. We want to think like Jesus thought. James chapter 3 gives us a great checklist for this. It tells you how to know if something is from God or if it's not from God when it comes to the character qualities of Jesus Christ himself. Let me read James chapter 3, 14 through 17. But if you have bitter envy and selfish seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom, and get this, this wisdom does not come from heaven. It does not descend from above, but it is earthly. It's sensual. He even used the word demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every form of evil are there. But the wisdom that is from above, God's wisdom, is first pure, then it's peaceable, gentle. It's willing to yield. It's full of mercy and bears good fruits, and it is without hypocrisy and partiality. So how do you know if it's an impression from God or it's not an impression from God? Well, this passage tells us. 
If it's from bitter envy, then it's not from God. If the impression is all about wanting to retaliate against somebody else or get even with somebody else, if it's something that grows out of jealousy that makes you want to buy something or do something to get even with somebody else, then can I tell you, that is not from God. I don't want to lose you here. Stay with me, kids. Come on. Also, selfish ambition. We get selfish ambition impressions all the time. But God's not going to give you those. God's not going to give you an impression that is going to make you more selfish. He's going to give you an impression that is going to make you more serving. Oh, that's huge. That's huge. Here in a couple of weeks, we're going to start a new C-group study on spiritual gifts. Why in the world did God give every born-again believer a spiritual gift? Well, he gave that spiritual gift not for you to use selfishly. It's not just for you. He gave you a spiritual gift for for you to use it in the community of faith. Your spiritual gift is for the church, for the edification, for the growth of other believers. So God is not going to give you an impression that is selfish. He's only going to give you impressions that help you serve him and other people. And then there's this list here of how to know if it's an impression from God. He, he just lists these things. There's seven of them. Real quick, is it pure? If it's impure, obviously it's not from God. Now, this may sound pretty simple, but you wouldn't believe how many people that, that I meet that are trying to convince themselves that an impure impression is somehow from God. It's not. I told the first service, maybe I don't need to be repeating this, but it's not anybody from our church. It's, it's a person I know outside the church that, uh, that talked to me long, long ago. He's, he's having problems at home. His marriage is on the rocks. Him and his wife don't talk anymore. They don't communicate. They don't have any kind of relationships anymore. It's just, it's just they're, they're going this way. And he said... He said, well, there's, there's a lady that has come into my life that is a work, co-worker of mine, and, and she's just, she's everything I've always wanted in a wife. She listens to me. She's concerned about me. She, she gets me. And he says, I guess, and he claims to be a Christian. Here's what he said. I just can't help but believe that God has brought this lady into my life, and, and I'm to leave my, my wife and and." Hook up and marry this, this other lady. <laughs> you know what? The world would say that's okay. But you know, it's not okay. That, that, what he's having is an impure thought about another woman. And that didn't come from God. Now again, it's kind of quiet in here. You might not like me talking like this, but you know what? That, that's the truth. Whether, whether we like it or not, impure thoughts, no matter, no matter how innocent we think they are or how justifiable we make them, they're still wrong. Number two, is it peaceable? I need to move on, don't I? Say, move on, preacher. Is it peaceable? God's going to give you impressions that promote harmony, not conflict. Is it considerate? 
When God gives you an impression, he is concerned about the impact that that impression is going to have not only on your life, but on the lives of others around you. So is this thing going to hurt somebody else? If this thought is going to make you do something that's going to mess somebody else's life up, it's not from God. Next, is this impression willing to yield? Simply meaning, is it humble? Is it teachable? Next, is it full of mercy and does it promote and produce good fruits? That's really how you know if an impression is from God. I've I've met a lot of people who think they've, they've been impressed by God, but they're the most judgmental, condemning, negative people that I've ever met. And so it, it can't be from God. Why? Because God is full of mercy. Does it produce good fruits? Man, that's the proof right there. Is it impartial and sincere? In other words, you don't try to manipulate other people and control other people. He gives us these seven things. These are the character qualities of Jesus Christ. And when I get an impression from God, I've got to ask myself, if I flesh this out and I do this, is it going to make me more like Jesus? So important. Because that's who we want to look like. We, we want to identify. Everybody's identifying. I identify as a... You need to identify as a follower of Jesus. Just make me more like Jesus. How many of y'all grew up in a little town, small town? It's 5,000 or less. You know, I've never lived in a little town. I grew up in... I guess Midland's probably the smallest town I ever lived in when I was born. Dad, what was Midland when we were... When I was a little kid. Like 30,000, 40,000 maybe back, back then. I don't know, it's over 100,000 now, easy, maybe 200,000. But it, was, it, was, it, it wasn't a small, I always thought, Brian always thought I wanted to grow up in a small town where everybody knew everybody. But no, I don't think so. <laughs> because I, I met Miss Angie, started dating Miss Angie, went to her hometown, which is Corning, Arkansas. Now I asked her first service, Angie, how many people were in Corning when you were a little kid? She's claiming 4,000, but I think she's stretching it a little bit. I can tell you this, there's not 4,000 in Corning now. It's, 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 it's even shrinking. But here, here's what I found out just after being there a couple of times. Everybody knows everything about your business in a small town. And one of the reasons why is because they, they publish it. I was reading the Corning paper one day and it said, Peggy Archer took a vacation to, to Branson, Missouri, and she took three of her kids, and they had just a great time. Kelly got sick when he was there. Angie got lost when she was there. Blah, 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 blah. I said, this is a joke, man. Everybody. Peggy never locked her front door. And I said, Peggy, you're... she'd go out of town, and she'd leave her front door. I said, why don't you lock her? She... Here's what she's, some neighbor might need something. And I'm thinking, yeah, and some thieves might want something too. But, but, but here's what I also figured out about small towns. You're known by what family you're from. It's your family name. Like the blacks were big family in Corning. Were they good or bad? Richardson's, good or bad? Good. Name, name somebody that's bad. You ain't going to? (laughs) 
the nickels, those nickel boys, not the Van Buren nickels, all right, the Corning nickels, all right. One day I was foolish enough to ask, well, what are the archers thought of in Corning? Well, they're good. Why? Because they had a good mama. They knew Miss Peggy, and they knew Miss Peggy was going to make those kids toe the line. Are you picking up what I'm trying to say to you? If we call ourselves Christians, we need to act like Jesus Christ. We don't want to give the family a bad name. We want everybody to know that, you know what, we are a follower of Jesus. So this impression that I get in my mind, if it's not going to make me more like Jesus, if it's not going to conform my thinking into the mind of Christ, I need to do away with it. I don't need to flesh it out. A few years ago, I had the, the greatest compliment given to me than I've, that I've ever had given by anybody. It was a cowboy shooting friend. And I've known the person for several years now. And finally, just a couple years ago, he said to me, he said, Holy smoke, I've been watching you. Every match we go shoot, I've been watching you. Been listening to what you say, watching what you do. And I've, I've come to the decision that you're the real deal. And he didn't mean that I was the real deal as a cowboy shooter. He meant you're the real deal as a believer in Jesus Christ. Because he's told me previously of bad encounters and situations that he's had with preachers and with churches. And for him to say to me, I believe you're the real deal, I thought, man, that's the best compliment anybody's ever given to me. Because that's the way we need to be. Just like Jesus so this impression I'm giving, is it agreeing with the Word of God? This impression, if, if I act on it, is it going to make me more like Jesus? And then finally, number three, and real quick, do I sense God's peace about it? Philippians 4, 6, and 7 is a marvelous passage of Scripture. Here the Apostle Paul says, be anxious for nothing. In other words, don't worry about it. How many of you will admit real quick by the raising of your hand that you are a worrier? Come on. Okay, the other half of you are lying. I'll, I'll meet you at the altar here in a little bit. But, but here Paul says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And here it is, verse 7. And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Boy, th this verse reminds us that worry is never from God. Having a divided heart is never from God. It only uh, creates pressures in our life. It also gives us this incredible promise. If we get an ideal that is from God and we act on that ideal, we are going to have the peace of God come into our hearts that, that surpasses anything you could ever, ever dream of. In fact, one of the clearest signs of an impression that is from God is when all of a sudden you sense God's peace. In the midst of a storm of difficulty, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of turbulence all around you, you've got God's peace in your life. You know, you know it's from God. Are you with me? 
Ron, this is one of those things that's really hard for me to articulate because if you've never experienced it, you can't really fully understand it. So do, do you know what? Have you ever gotten God's peace about something? And you just know, man, this is, this is what I'm supposed to do. This is from God. I've told you this before, but I'll, I'll just tell you real quick again. 25 years ago, Brother Carl, the previous pastor of Kavanaugh, I've been here 28 years, resigned to go to Hillsdale, which is now Randall, to be the president of the school. That night that he resigned, Bob Butler from the church called me and said, Brother Will, Brother Carl's resigned, and we want you as our next pastor. That was in May of 1997. Three times that summer, I told the church board here at Kavanaugh, no. Now, it, it wasn't that I had anything against you guys. And it's not that you know, I had anything against Fort Smith or Kavanaugh Church. Here's the, here's the deal. We were happy. Angie and I, literally, I think we were the happiest we've probably ever been in our married life in Plano, Texas. We, we had a, a great little house. We had a great home. Had a great family going on. Whitney was a little girl, and, and Callie was just, just then born. And man, everything was going our way. Our church was growing leaps and bounds. I was, I was as happy as I could be. Why in the world risk leaving that happiness and coming to a situation? Because everybody told me, oh, you don't want to follow Brother Carl. He's been there 28 years. You'll just be raw meat. They'll just chew you up and spit you out. I had one preacher friend call me and said, Will, don't, don't go to Kavanaugh. Man, that, that church is so divided. I, I, it come to, I think he really wanted to come here. He was trying to... <laughs> He was telling me a lie about you guys. But I struggled with it all summer for three months. And, and, and even though I kept saying no, and every week somebody different from the church would call me and say, hey, you need to reconsider, you need anything. And I kept telling them, no, no, no. But I didn't have a peace about it. There, there was this inner turmoil still going on in my heart. Even though I thought I was happy, even though I thought I was doing what God wanted me, there was this, this inner disturbance going on. And I will, listen to me, church, I will never, ever, ever, ever forget the summer of 1997 in the month of July where I was and what I was doing when I finally got down on my knees and I said to the Lord, Lord, this is what I want. I want to stay here in Plano. But Lord, I'm giving it to you. And whatever you want me to do, and wherever you want me to go, I'll do it. And Ronnie, just like that, everything changed. I had, this, I had this peace come upon me that was the peace of God. Now, it wasn't at that moment that... I accepted the church and, and I decided to move here. No, it's when I said to God, Lord, I'll do what you want me to do. The rest is history. I, I came here and everything's been great. Kind of. <laughs> Let me put it like this. In 25 years, I've, I've had my share of battles and scars. But not one single time have I ever thought to myself, well, you need to go to some other church or you need to leave Kavanaugh and go do some other ministry. Not a single time in 25 years have, 
Have I even thought that? Why? Because I've got the peace of God that I am where I'm supposed to be. And that is a peace that you can't put a price tag on. I would rather be in the center of God's will doing what God made me to do than anything else in the world. These three ways to test an impression from God, they work. How do I know they work? Because I use them all the time. So let me put them on the board and and you just read them along with me. Number one, does it agree with the Bible? Number two, does this thought make me more like Christ? Number three, do I sense God's peace about it? And if you run every ideal through that filter, you will know whether or not you are actually hearing from God. And as I end this series on, on learning to hear from God, and, and it's all based on read it with me in 23, I, I got I to say what I started this series with. You've got to do more than just read the Word of God. Now again, this series started because I challenged you, read it with me in 23. And together we are reading the Word of God. But you know what? That's just the first step. You read it. But it does you no good if that's all you do. Just read it. Number two, you hear from God. But number two, you act on what God tells you to do. And after you've done what He's told you to do, you pass it on to somebody else who needs to hear it that that is the process of the Christian's life we hear from God we act on what he's told us to do and then we share that with somebody else we pass it on and look at me I'm almost finished but look at me if you're not hearing from God if God is not speaking to you right now maybe the reason might be is because you haven't been acting on what he's already told you to do you, you tell me, if, if God has told you to do something in his word and you haven't been obedient to it, you haven't done it, why is he going to keep telling you things to do until you're obedient on this one thing that you've refused to be obedient on? So maybe the reason he's not talking to you is because you need to bring your obedience up to date. Or maybe you need to be passing it on to somebody else who needs to hear that truth. Another thing. Somebody here this morning might say, well, I don't think I've ever heard God speak to me. I've never never heard God speak to me. Here's Here's what you need to hear right now if that's the case. The Bible says, he who belongs to God hears from God. God speaks to his children. Maybe the reason that you don't hear is that you don't belong to God. And if you've never heard from God, you have every right at this moment to be asking yourself, well, am I really saved? Am I really going to go to heaven when I die? Am I a child of God? Am am I even in the family of God? Have have I ever stepped across that line? If you haven't, if you haven't done that, and you know you haven't done that because you're not hearing from God, let me tell you, we can fix that problem today. That's an easy one to solve. All you've got to do is is come and receive Christ as your Savior. The, The ABCs, admit, A, admit that you're a sinner, B, believe that Jesus can save you, and C, confess Jesus as Lord of your life. 
And if you do that, guess what? You're going to start hearing from God. Real quick, y'all are tired of hearing me talk, aren't you? I'm, I'm, about to, I'm about to land this big jet right here. We're coming in for a landing. I went out and shot cowboy yesterday, and I got to preach. I told the, the, the 14 people in the posse, and I told them, I said, word has gotten back to Kavanaugh Church that I preach these little sermons, and they're, they're real short. They're just like little micro sermons. And they're, they're putting pressure on me to preach the cowboy sermons to the big church. Yeah? But here, here was my sermon to them, all right? It, it, it's a speech I heard this college coach give to his team. He said, here's what we got to do, guys, the three W's. You got to want it. You got to work for it. Then you got to go out and win it. First, you got to want it. You got to desire. You got to hunger to be the best you can be. Next, you got to get out there and work. And we're watching you to see if you're really working hard for the position you're trying to work for. You got to work for victory. And then, thirdly, you go out and you win. Ain't nobody going to give you nothing in this life. You got to want it and work for it if you're going to win it. So team, let's go win it. Oh boy, that's the best I could do and y'all didn't bite it, man. Mm. Here's what I told the people at, at Cowboy Shooting yesterday. I said, you can apply that to the Christian life or to anybody's life in a spiritual way, kind of. The wantonness, right? You got to want it. You've got to want your life to be different. You've got to want Jesus. You've got to desire God. But you don't work for it because he's already done that. Jesus has already done the work for you. Jesus died on Calvary's cross to save you from your sins. So you want it, but he's done the work, so all you have to do is win it. And you do that by asking Jesus into your life. Let me tell you, if you've never done that, today can change your life. You, you just come on up here during the invitation and we'll show you from God's word how you can have your sins forgiven and heaven is your home. For the rest of us, maybe we need to come up here and do in front of this congregation what I did the summer of 1997 and just say to the Lord, Lord, I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to hear your voice, but I'm here to tell you, God, whatever it is you tell me to do, the answer is going to be yes. Because I want to live in your will, and I want that peace that passes all understanding. Maybe you're just here today, and you, you need to talk to the Lord. You need to hear his voice. Come and kneel. Get tuned in. He'll speak to you. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd do something amazing, amazing in this service. In fact, Lord, we've prayed all week. Brother Nathan was right. We have prayed all week for this very moment. And I pray that you would make a difference in people's lives right now. Speak to us as only you can. Draw men, women, boys, and girls to yourself right now. Lord, may someone come and receive Jesus as their Savior. May someone come and rededicate their life to you. May a whole lot of us come to the altar and just say yes to hearing your voice and doing your will. Above all, may you be glorified today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand. And as you stand up, step out. Come on. 
Don't be afraid to come. Come to Jesus today. He wants to talk to you. Thank you, dear Lord, for your grace that flows down and covers us. Lord, I pray that this series has uh, spoken to our minds and hearts, and that, dear Lord, we would make the conscious effort to hear your voice. Lord, I know that you're speaking to us every day from your word and through other people and by circumstances that happen in our life and just by the thoughts that you give us. I pray, dear Lord, that we would stay tuned in to you and and not allow anything else to come between us and our relationship with you. Lord, for those who are struggling, I, I pray that they have victory in their life. For those who need to be uplifted, Lord, we just pray for them today. I want, I'm going to pray specifically right now for two men, dear Lord, in our church who, who need a touch from you today, and that is Wayne Davis and J.E. McKinney. Lord, they're, they're not two finer men on the face of the earth. These are great men who love the Lord, and they love their family, and they love this church, and, and they need a touch from you. So, dear Lord, touch them physically and let them know their church family is agreeing in prayer right now for their physical health and healing. Lord, I love this church. Thank you for our time together today. Use us in your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Hey, just a couple of reminders, then I'm going to read a card, and we're going to get out of here. When you walk out the doors today, remember to put your offering in one of those black boxes. We appreciate that. This Wednesday night is going to be an awesome night. It's kids' night. Kids' night. What does that mean? Well, it means all of our, our little kids, Brother Johnny's kids, all the kids that are back in kids' church right now on Wednesday night, they're going to be up here on the stage, and they're going to sing some songs, and that's always really cool to see and hear, all right? 
And then little Billy's going to be here. I heard little Billy's going to be here to do a, a kid lesson that adults enjoy as well. And then Brother Johnny's got a, a word for us. And so Wednesday night, make sure you bring your kids, your grandkids, and that you're here as well. After the service, I need to meet with all of our C group leaders for a very brief meeting. Next Sunday, we're going to be signing up for our C groups that will meet for six weeks this time as we learn more about spiritual gifts. Next Sunday afternoon, there's going to be a, a wedding shower for a guy named Eli Nichols. Can you believe that? Well, first service, oh, oh, Jason said, I'm getting old. Didn't you say that? And what did I say? I said, you may be, but Miss Joy's not. All right. But yeah, that, that's next Sunday. You can, you can find out more about that online at our website. Um, what, let me read this card to you that I received this past week. It's a great card. It says, Dear Church Family, I cannot begin to tell you how deeply I appreciate your prayers, phone calls, text, and visits during my recent hospital stay after the stroke. How blessed I am. God provided all the right people and physicians to care for me. Thank you, church family, for the beautiful plant as well. Much love, Miss Phyllis Housh. And Phyllis, we love you, and we're still praying for you. God bless you. I hope you have a great day. Stay tuned in to the Lord. Listen to him, not the devil. And we'll see you later, all right?